Welcome, everybody, to CBuzz, Columbus's award-winning business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for today's episode, and I am thrilled to bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community as we really go in-depth with leaders, decision-makers, and more. We record the show at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a collaborative space where students and faculty from diverse areas of study work together in new and exciting ways. Joining us today is Janelle Coleman, Executive Vice President of External Affairs at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium and one of the most dynamic leaders in our region. Janelle has been named one of the executive women rising to the top by Columbus CEO Magazine, a Columbus Young Professional Club Woman of Inspiration, Columbus Business First 40 Under 40, as well as the Network Journal's 40 Under 40 Award and Who's Who in Black Columbus for Interesting Personality. She's accomplished in business in our community, and we could not be more excited to have her on the show today. Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, I feel like I see you out and about at events throughout the community. And today I have a chance to really have a conversation with you. And so do our listeners. Well, I'm excited to be here, excited to be able to sit down with you, Michaela, and looking forward to it. So, this You've been with the zoo only for a little bit of time. We were just talking about that offline um, since August of 2019. And in your role, you oversee the organization's communications, marketing, philanthropy, community engagement efforts. There's a lot that you do, um, which includes the zoo's affiliated properties like the Wild, Zumbezi Bay, Water Park, and the Safari Golf Course. So again, a lot on your plate. How has it been to get acclimated to this group and really to dig into the work that an EVP of external affairs has to do for the zoo? <laughs> well, it is a lot, um, but it is um, so fun. Um, the zoo is an extraordinary asset for Central Ohio. Um, it's a $100 million uh, organization. So it's a big operation. Um, number one zoo in the country, 10,000 animals. And so, you know, it, it, there are a lot of layers to it. And so over the past four months, I have just been trying to immerse myself into learning about the zoo and uh, the world of zoos and specifically the community within our zoo. And literally when she says immerse, I mean, she walked in here and you were with a giraffe, just like literally just an hour, just ago. An hour ago, right? <laughs> so that is immersion when you're talking about that. You, you have so much work um, there as EVP of External Affairs. I know you've got a great team. What, what are some of the things you've really kind of tried to wrap your arms around? Because you have this set of talents and skills from another industry that we'll talk about in a minute, but you're applying those talents and skills to completely different subject matter. What's that been like? Um, it's been a learning process, which is giving me so much energy. Um, you know, there's so much to tell. Um, the storytelling in particular is something that I am really, really excited and focused on. Um, I think we in Columbus know that we have the number one zoo. Hopefully all of our listeners know that. But I want Central Ohio to know that. I want Ohio to know that. I want the world to know that. And I particularly want everyone in Central Ohio to understand what a great ass 
asset the zoo is to our community and how they can plug into the zoo. And so part of my work through communications, marketing, our philanthropy and community engagement is really to get out into the community and talk to our partners, talk to our public officials, our stakeholders, any and everyone really about the resources that the zoo has and how they can plug into the into the zoo. And I really want everyone in our community to feel like it's their zoo because it is. It's all of our zoo. Feel some ownership in it. So before before the zoo, and this is how I knew you, you previously served as vice president of community relations for L Brands yes. and president of the L Brands Foundation. You had a long career with L Brands. If I'm not mistaken, you were an intern with the company in college. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Tell me more about that experience and then the path that it led you down. Yeah. So interestingly enough, um, I sort of stumbled upon my internship at L Brands. Um, I went to Ohio University, uh, broadcast journalism major, and I was bopping around Cleveland, where I'm from, looking for internships. This was the summer of my sophomore year. And I quickly learned that journalism internships were unpaid. Oh, yeah, they are. They are you're not getting anything for those. And so, you know, I, I often say that's the first crucial conversation that I ever had with my mother because, you know, I was first generation college student, Pell Grant recipient, worked my way through school. And she said, look, there is no way that you can take an entire summer off and not, not make any money. So I had to make some adjustments quickly. At the time, I was taking classes in the business school fashion merchandising class because I always have had an interest in fashion. And so I just had this idea like, well, maybe I could get a fashion internship and learn about fashion and sort of maybe write for a magazine one summer. I was just trying to put something together. Um, and so I went and sort of pitched this idea to my advisor at the time. And he said, okay, if you can find an internship that is paid, that has some type of journalistic quality, then I will uh, count, I'll allow it, I'll count it. And I said, all right. And so there I go. I Now I, I made the pitch. I had to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> And so I went to open interviews, the limited, they were, they came to campus every year for um, interviews for internships. And so I went and I ended up getting an internship in the PR department. And that's how I got to the limited. So how did that continue? I mean, so you get in as an intern and I mean, we're talking about a massive, like globally known company. Yes. And so you get in there as an intern, but a lot of times when we have internships in college, we go, we enjoy the summer not a lot more comes of it many times. How did you how did you turn this into something more and turn this into something major in your life? So, you know, for me, it was I knew it was an opportunity. Um, I, I always was very acutely aware that if I had an opportunity, I had to take advantage of it. And so I did any and everything that was asked of me, um, whether it was going to get coffee, shredding papers, or sitting in a meeting um, where I knew nothing of what they were talking about, <laughs> but I was there. Um, and then I think being vocal, right? Telling those around me what I wanted for my career and for my future. And I think when you have um, an audience and they listen and, and you perform, um, people remember that. And so thankfully it turned into another internship after my first summer and then another internship after that 
And then I got hired on full time after I graduated from college. And in, in that capacity, when you graduated from college, what were you hired on as? And then and what did the path look like from there? I was the public relations coordinator. Oh, you were the coordinator. <laughs> I have plenty of friends who have been coordinators, the coordinator. The coordinator. <laughs> and did you feel like you just continued to be that sponge, but then performed? I mean, really, what was the equation for success, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely the sponge, um, being curious, um, showing up, being prepared, um, asking questions and continuing to communicate to those around me what I wanted to do um, and trying to really figure out what it was I wanted to do. Right. You can be good at something but do you really want to do that? Um, I've always, always had an interest in the community. I think probably from birth, um, we were raised to get involved and be involved in our community. And so once I realized that community relations could actually be a career path for me, it was a natural gravitation. I just went down that road. By the time you were VP of community relations, what areas of operation did you oversee in your role and what community partners were you working with? What kind of projects were you up to? So as VP of Community Relations, I oversaw all of our corporate philanthropy. So all of um, anything that was related to us being a good corporate citizen. So getting our associates out to volunteer, getting our associates to donate to campaigns like Pelotonia, the United Way, participate in campaigns like Coleman Race for the Cure, um, raising money for the Wexner Center for the Arts at the Ohio State University, um, and then also being in charge of grant making. So at the L Brands Foundation, in any given year, we gave away between 15 to $20 million um, to various organizations, probably almost 300 organizations that we were giving grants to when I left the company. And so that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot when you're talking 15 to $20 million. Yeah. And the lion's share of that stays in central Ohio because of where the company is headquartered and where the birth of the company um, came from, which is in Columbus. And so um, just really, I think, keeping my ears to the ground, making sure that I understood the needs of the community and being able to communicate those needs back inside the company to our leaders was really um, a lot of, of what I did along with Again, working with our associates, our different community partners, and making sure that we were showing up to be a good corporate citizen. What is it like to have fifteen to twenty million dollars to make an impact with? Um, you, it, it, it is a lot, but it's never enough. Um, and that's the tough part of, of the role. Um, there are lots of needs um, in, in Columbus, um, some of which we've been reading recently about um, poverty, affordable housing, food insecurity. And so even though that is a lot of money, it, it's never enough. Um, and I think that's the, the really hard part about that because I could see the need and I would hear about the need every day from um, the folks on the ground who are running these organizations. How did you stay focused, stay positive about what you could do? Being out in the community, when you see the dollars at work um, and you go to the family center, the YWCA family center, and you see those meals being served and you see that families have a safe and warm and secure place to be, um, you know that even though there might be other families that are going to be coming behind those families tonight, the families that you see have a place to stay. And so focusing on the things that you can do and the results that you can make really um, is the way to stay 
positive. So let's focus on that can-do and those results, because obviously, even though you saw 15 to 20 million is, oh, there's never enough because you saw all the need, you know you know that other companies are dealing with much less to be able to give. Yes. But it's really important, you and I both agree to be socially accountable and aware of the potential impact we all can make in the community. Um, what do you tell companies about what they can do and the impact they can have, even with just a little? People are an invaluable resource. They're invaluable. Um, get your people involved. Um, it could be involved in one issue, one organization, or many issues. It's really up to um, the folks in the company. But I, I believe that um, money helps, but people will be the ones who solve these really big community problems. Um, so get your folks involved, get them on the ground, helping, educated, um, understand the issues and give them an opportunity to to do something good and, and help others. So you're a time, talent, treasure kind of girl. Absolutely. It's a combination of it. And I mean, you're super active. You're on the board of trustees for Ohio University, YWCA Columbus, and the KIPP Columbus Foundation. Uh, and I could go on. You're involved <laughs> with Delta Sigma Theta, the sorority. There's so much that you do. For those who are listening to this conversation, I mean, maybe they don't have as much treasure as they want to have right now. Maybe they don't have as much time. How do you suggest they really think about getting involved in the community? So there are lots of different resources out there, many more than there were when I first moved to Columbus. There are organizations like United Way, BESA. Um, there are volunteer management um, organizations that are just on the web. And then there's apps now. There's I just apps. saw that in a magazine the other day. Google, in Google volunteer in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's there's lots of ways to find out where, um, where there's a need. Um, another thing that I always suggest to people is think about what you're really passionate about. Um, and so if it's children, if it's education, if it's women issues, and do some research and look up what organizations in your community um, are working in those spaces. You would be surprised the number of cold calls that I used to get when I was in the nonprofit and now I'm back in the nonprofit space from individuals who said, hey, I want to get involved. Uh, believe me, that person answering the phone would love to hear from you. Just give them a call, shoot them an email, shoot them a text. There's probably another way to communicate at this point. I don't know how to <laughs> articulate, but um, they would love to hear from you. Super involved in the community, really got connected at this high level um, when it came to what you did at L Brands. And also, she mentioned, very fashion forward. Janelle's always on point. <laughs> How did you know this position with the zoo was the right opportunity for you? Did you have any hesitation about moving to this new realm? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I essentially grew up in L Brands. Um, you know, they are my family. They will always be my family. Um, everything that I have learned from a professional standpoint, I've learned from L Brands, um, even during the time when I wasn't at L Brands because those seeds were planted so early when I was there as an intern. And so it was a really, really tough decision. But one of the things that helped me focus and, and make the decision was the fact that I knew I wanted to continue to make an impact. Um, all of my board work, all of the things that I've done in the community is really about how can 
I make an impact. Um, I felt like I had made a great impact at L Brands. Um, there are lots of great people who are still there doing it. But was there another organization in the community where I could take my skills and help that organization go to the next level and have even a greater impact? And so when this opportunity came to me um, and I realized the opportunity to be able to make a big impact on, on a large organization that really has a lot of tentacles into Central Ohio and beyond, the the curiosity was just, it was too much for me to bear. And I had to take a look at it. Did anyone in particular give you any wise words before you made the leap that really kind of confirmed, you know how sometimes the universe, I think the universe talks to us. I think synchronicity happens sometimes. You hear something here, you hear something there, and it all comes together when you're about to make a big decision. Were there any words that hung on for you as you said, okay, I'm definitely going to do this? Yes. um, My husband. (laughs) Which, goodness knows, he always has something to say. So yes, I would believe, so A, I believe this, but please continue. Yeah. So my husband said, what do you want? What do you want? And I said, well, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want that. And he said, okay, is this opportunity giving you those things? And Yes, 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 right? I say he really boiled it down for me because I was I was agonizing over the decision, quite frankly. And he said, then try it. Then try it. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, you're gonna be okay. But guess what? It's gonna work out because I'm gonna tell you about the zoo. And obviously he knew a lot about the zoo. And when I had that conversation with him, it gave me the confidence and I think the the peace that I needed to go ahead and, and make the leap and know that I was going to be okay, know that my colleagues back at L Brands would be okay, and that I had done good work and it was okay to move on to something else to try to do more good work. And we should sidebar this. I think a lot of our listeners know, but Janelle's husband is former Columbus Mayor Michael Coleman. <laughs> assumed. (laughs) Everybody knows. And and you probably do from the last name, but there you go. So he always has some sage advice. Has seen so much in his career. Uh, So that's that's some good advice that he gave you. The Columbus Zoo first opened in 1927, which we were kind of doing some research ahead of time on this. And I thought, wow, that has been a long time. There's a lot of history for our city. And to your point, you're now helping share the story with visitors from here, but from all over the world. How do you start to approach storytelling in that role and all that comes with it. I mean, again, and here I'm asking you this question, you're only a few months in, but <laughs> I mean, you're, you're immersing yourself, you're learning, but, but how do you start to tackle? How do you, how do you t- start to take a little bit of a bite out of it? So the stories are there. Um, and I'm hearing the stories now that I'm at the zoo, the stories are there. Um, I think for us, it's taking those stories and packaging them to help people understand the impact that the zoo is making. So I'll give you an example. Um, I recently heard a story about when we opened Heart of Africa at the zoo. So, you know, it's an open um, area towards the back of the zoo, um, and it's made to look like a pasture out in the middle of Africa. There's giraffes roaming around and all types of beautiful animals. Well, I recently heard the story about a woman 
who um, is a refugee from a part of Africa, a war-torn part of Africa, who came to the Columbus Zoo. She now lives in Columbus. She came to the zoo. And when she saw the heart of Africa, she started crying, started like sobbing. And so one of the docents was there and they noticed, you know, this interaction with the family and they went up to her and she said, this is the closest thing that I've seen of my homeland. It's hard for you to talk about. It is. So she she started crying, and the docent was there with her at that yes. moment. And then what happened next? Is she? And so the docent goes on to tell her about all the animals, um, the fact that the curators went and visited Africa to make sure that they understood how to represent these animals in their natural habitat. And so... The stories like that, to be able to touch someone, to remind them of their homeland or to remind them of a happy time even, right? Because there are a lot of happy times at the zoo. There are plenty. (laughs) I've experienced them, yes. Um, That's special. That's special. And those stories are worthy to be told. And the fact that our voters, the fact that our donors, our corporate sponsors, um, any and everyone who comes to the zoo and buys a stuffed animal um, can support those types of experiences and the mission to be able to ensure that Uh, endangered species continue to live on and that we as a community can experience those animals in as close to their natural habitat as possible. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of people are not going to get to Africa to see safari, right? A lot of people are not going to get to Australia to see koala bears. Um, That's important. And we can all be a, a part of that. I can tell from you just sharing that with us, that you use emotion to tap into the stories that you guys are going to be telling. Yes. Um, which I think is a fantastic thing, and not not everybody can do that. Is it hard th- with a brand? Because obviously you have a very com- – it's, it's a commercial brand in terms of what I think about mm-hmm. it. And we all know Jack, right? Yes. <laughs> like he's a big part of the brand. So when I think about story, I think about the beautiful commercials they do. I think about Jack's involvement, Jack Hanna's involvement. Um so you are, is that going to be a part of what we're going to see? Some of these, uh, these emotionally laced stories, will we see more of that coming out of the zoo? Yeah, yeah, you will. I certainly hope so. Um, I think, again, I, I think they're important to tell. I, you know, is it important to, you know, um, showcase uh, Zumbezi Bay and the fun that's happening there? Absolutely. Is it important to showcase the two million lights that are up right now um, that AEP uh, sponsors every year for wild lights? Absolutely. Um, But there are a lot of human interest stories that are happening as well. Um, In addition to our efforts around conservation, in addition to our efforts around partnering with different zoos to ensure that certain species um, continue on. But there are a lot Uh, human interest stories to tell as well. And I want to make sure that we tell those. So there's obviously a national spotlight on the zoo. I mean, we have quite a national following from, you know, an appearance on Nat Geo Wild's television series, Secrets of the Zoo, and and so much more. I mean, we have been front and center so many times in the national spotlight. Um, What does that really mean for us nationally, do you think? And how do we continue to leverage that? So it's a big deal. 
And we need to make sure that people know it's a big deal because it is. Um, I have yet to go to the San Diego Zoo, but I need to get there soon. (laughs) And you're going to say, wait a second, guys. We know what we've got in Columbus. We know what we've got in Columbus. I mean, but, you know, when people talk about the San Diego Zoo all over the world, you're like, even if you've never been to the San Diego Zoo, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a great zoo. (laughs) Right? I've never even been there, but I know it's a great zoo. Right. Um, I think Columbus can be on the same level. Um, and when you have national and international recognition, it's good for the city, it's good for the community, it's good for the economy, because there is a lure and a curiosity there that is going to make you want to come check out the Columbus Zoo, just like people from all over the world want to come to the San Diego Zoo. Got it. Um, so what is one thing you've learned about the Columbus Zoo that you did not know before and that our listeners might find interesting? Well, one of the things that I learned right when I got to the zoo is that we contribute nearly $3 million of our own money to conservation efforts around the world. Um, And that is significant. It is. I would not have known that. That is significant. And the reason being is we are, um, that's our mission, right? Our our mission is to connect people and wildlife. And in order to do that, you have to help um, areas of the world uh, be able to cohabitate with those animals in their natural habitat. And so how can we as a zoo be, meet our mission in doing that and be an advocate to uh, people all over the world to ensure that that is happening. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's significant. And I think I'm really proud of it. I think we all should be really proud of it um, to know that we're not just making an impact here in Central Ohio, but across the world. Yeah, our dollars are going beyond for the greater good. That's, that's right. Wow, that's fantastic. Had, had no clue. So, as you mentioned, you were born and raised in Cleveland. We kind of were talking a little bit yes. about it earlier. <laughs> um, you're a graduate of Ohio University, but you also hold a certificate from the Fisher College of Business at Ohio State. Speaking of San Diego, there are a lot of other cities you could be working in. So, tell us why Columbus? Why did you choose to stay? Um, it was not for lack of trying of leaving. <laughs> You're like, Ohio? Out, no. But there is this, like, magnetism about Columbus. I mean, there's there, there's always been something to keep me here, whether it was the job opportunity, the um, ease of living, the cost of living, um, navigating a community where you can literally pick up the phone and call anyone and they will agree to have coffee with you. Um, don't know if that's happening in Atlanta, Houston, L.A. So, you know, there are all these things that along the way, as I got older, I came to appreciate. And so, you know, all of my grandiose ideas about moving to, you know, a big urban city, which was my intent originally, um, kept diminishing over time. The more I got to know about Columbus, the more value that I saw that Columbus was providing to me, um, to my friends, to my career. So, um, yeah. And then I, I, met the man I ended up marrying, and and, and that was that. <laughs> One of the biggest cheerleaders of Columbus that you will ever meet. That's right. And that's has right. And really shepherded us 
to the place we are now, which I think is even different than when I first came here 12 or 13 years ago. I mean, it's to his credit that we have seen a lot of the change. And now we are like one of these cities. I I explain it to people. We're like the perfect city to be in. And, you know, I have a sister in Chicago, a sister in Atlanta. You get everything you need in Columbus without the traffic. Yep. And for the most part, for many people, not all, but uh, an affordable place to live. And there's so many good things. It's like the perfect spot where you don't have to worry about some of the other things that come with larger cities. Yeah. And I and I also think that where we're situated in the country, um, do we have direct flights everywhere? No, but we have quite a few direct flights, um, which also makes it easier to get to the Chicago to see your sister or right Atlanta. Um, and you can still have those close connections with friends and family, but still live in Columbus. You know, I think all of us, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about adversity because I think all of us in our lives end up facing it some way, shape, or form, professionally, personally. And I know that we have listeners to this show who who are making big decisions, right, um, or who might be going through things in their life where, you know, they have to make some choices. Speaking of adversity, in particular, let's talk young female listeners, since since you're with me today, who are working really to pave their path in the business world and are inspired by your story. What would you tell them about adversity and making decisions and how to really move forward in a way where they are following their passion? So, you know... <sighs> I think one of the biggest things that we do as women is when we make mistakes, we harp on them and we revisit them and we play the tape again over and over and over (laughs) Um, instead of saying, you know what, I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from the mistake and I'm going to move on. I'm not going to allow this uh, this mistake to put me in prison, if you will, because of this one mistake. Um, I find that men tend to move forward a lot faster. Um, and this is Janelle Nicole Simmons Coleman <laughs> saying this. Um, we tend to dwell longer on our mistakes. And um, I don't think it's healthy. It's something that I had to learn um, and and really apply it to myself and start living in that space and give myself grace to say, you know what? Yeah, I made a mistake. Um, I am not a perfect person. I am going to make mistakes, but I'm going to try to learn from that mistake and move forward and do things better and differently. That's that's wise. And it takes time to learn that. Do you find that you have to check yourself on that when something happens and there is a mistake? How did you really like strengthen that muscle? I got tired of not um, moving forward. I, you know, I had to kind of sit back and say, what's really holding you back? Why aren't you going after what you say you want? Um, why aren't you getting what you say you want? Um, Oftentimes, mistakes can paralyze you um, and you sort of sit and spin and and not move forward. And and the the reason is because your confidence has taken a hit. You're scared. And so I do, obviously, you can probably tell, a lot of (laughs) self-talk. Good thing. Um, um, and, I, and I actually just got um, certified as an executive coach. And so I learned a lot about positive psychology. Um, and that is 
ultimately what all of it is about is the having the positive talk with yourself and not letting the negative talk um, overrule and continuing to focus on moving forward. And so what is the one thing that you can do today to move forward in whatever that is that you say you want to do? Um, and, and that has proved to, to work for me. Um, I didn't have the formal education around it that I do now after being certified as an executive coach, but I'm fortunate in that I had the presence of mind and the strength and the support, quite frankly, um, from people like my mother and my brothers to say, you know what, you made a mistake, let it go. Right. Um, and I know that's easier said than done, but I was able to do it and I've I've learned from it. I want to take that two minutes of you talking and just give it to people <laughs> who for some reason have not found this podcast yet, which if you haven't, we got to change that. But like, yeah. I want to take that because that is a gift to not camp on it. I mean, that's yes. what you're saying, because we lose time. You lose a lot of time and you lose confidence and you lose energy. Um and it's not to say that you can't get it back, but, you know, tomorrow's a different day than today. Live forward. That's right. Uh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> Literally, I'm going to get, I'm just going to give it as a gift to a few people. This is, you need to hear this two minutes. It is yours. It is yours. <laughs> Take it, go with it. Storytelling, it, it's kind of where we started and it's kind of going to be where we end up as we close things out. You are very familiar, given the work that you did at L Brands and what you're doing right now and just your history with a lot of big brands. And you've probably studied and looked at larger brands when you've been doing work inside these organizations. Are brands using storytelling to their advantage? Because I feel like it's the big buzzword, right? Everybody's talking about storytelling. But are we using it, by and large, right what could we be doing maybe better? Because I feel like we are in this, we're in this time period where things are coming at us so fast as consumers, right? We are bombarded. Um, I'd heard once that, and this was a couple of years ago, actually, that we read the equivalent of seven newspapers back to back every day with all that we're reading and taking in. So are we doing a good enough job as brands, like from a brand perspective, are brands doing a good enough job? And, and what do you think they should start to maybe focus more on? I think brands are doing a better job, um, a much better job. Um, I think there's definitely uh, room for improvement, um, especially in the diversity space. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation with someone about my career and the fact that um, my English teacher is the one who encouraged me to major in journalism, but I was thinking about print journalism. I was not thinking about broadcast journalism. And he said, you should be on television. And I said, I should. And he said, well, absolutely. I never would have thought about that because growing up, I didn't see people like who looked like me on television in a, in a, in a newscaster role, uh, let alone an anchor role. Um, and so, you know, you, you fast forward to now and you're seeing many more different representations of people, whether it is um, in commercials, print ads, um, in the storytelling. Um, and it's, and it's great, but I want, 
to make sure that that continues, right? Um, it, it should be not something that someone's like, oh yeah, we need to make sure that we have a diverse family or, oh yeah, and we, we should make sure that, you know, there's a, a, a gay couple in the, in the, it, that should be a, a norm. It should be a natural. Um, and so my hope is that branding and marketing and storytelling starts capturing because there's so many different stories. My story, um, you know, growing up in the city of Cleveland is very different than my brother's story growing up in the city of Cleveland. And we came from the same house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so the more stories we can have, the more we're going to be able to appeal to individuals um, and to what they have gone through um, and to what they aspire to be um, and showing that representation in all aspects of our branding and marketing um, is then we'll be there. I think about the lens. You're talking about a lens and, and the woman who was at the heart of Africa, who that was her experience at the zoo. That's very different than yours and mine to really tap into that instead of just saying we need X, Y, and Z to make this look diverse, as you put it, but really tapping into those stories. That's exactly right. Well, Janelle Coleman, we are really glad that that was not a paid internship in news. <laughs> Because I don't, we may be having a very different conversation here um, if that had been a paid internship in news. So just thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on CBuzz. Thank you so much, Michaela. This was great. I had so much fun. Thank you. I had so much fun too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews. All you have to do is search CBuzz on iTunes or whatever app or platform you listen on and leave your comments and suggestions. It also helps people find our show. We read your comments and we definitely use your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is produced by the Columbus Chamber in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping really bring this program to life for our listeners. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks again so much for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.